You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Alright, this is the 23rd Psalm. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, thanks everybody for that super kind welcome. It's uh, really encouraging. Um, I've just loved the Psalm of Summer series. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, for me it's just been uh, really encouraged both to be part of, but just to see so many brothers and sisters share their love for God uh, and their love for our church through the preaching of the Word. Um, for me, I'm not a, a regular preacher and um, It's given me a bit of an insight, actually, into the work uh, that goes into preparing a sermon, the head work and the heart work. Uh, And gosh, um, you know, I don't want to draw too much attention to it. It's really hard work. Uh, And I share that because uh, we have in Jono a pastor who loves God's word, loves our church. Um, And he preaches week in, week out, and next week he'll be returning to the pulpit to teach us. Uh, and I just want to encourage us just to keep in mind uh, the heart and head work he does for us uh, each week uh, throughout the year and to keep encouraging him in that and to keep praying for him in that. It truly is a, an incredible labor of love. I can testify to that from experience. Well, um, uh, it's my joy to close out this series with Psalm 23. It's a, a much-loved and really well-known psalm. And to be honest, I've been quite burdened by it. Burdened because when you pull back the curtains on this psalm and look at it closely, it just has so much to say about the relationship we can have with God. And it's what it's like to follow uh, after God. Uh, And I've been burdened because I want that so badly for myself, uh, and I want that for uh, our church, for you as well. So I've been praying heaps to that end. Okay, Psalm 23, let's get into it. Well, let me start by saying that uh, my wife knows that uh, I'm some, somewhat of a, a bumpkin. Okay, that's true, a bumpkin. Okay, a bumpkin, if you're not sure, uh, is someone who lacks uh, culture and sophistication. Um, in uh, our marriage, uh, my wife is the sophisticated one. Uh, she uh, studied music in high school. Uh, she... Um, studied music at university, she loves art, uh, and she reads prolifically, you know, really big, 
thick books, okay? Um, me, I'm, you know, it's been a while since I've I read a book uh, cover to cover. Um, and so she would take me, you know, to arty cultural things like uh, musical shows, concerts, galleries, uh, and the like. Um, and our experiences can be a little different. Um, it's not that I don't enjoy them, I enjoy them, but not quite to the depth that she does. You see, she will, will come out of something and she'll debrief with me and she'll say, oh, did you notice this? Did you see that? Oh, the setting was so amazing. All that sort of stuff, okay? And I'll be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh. Um, sometimes I just don't experience the full reality of these things, okay, to the same level that she does. Uh, just to draw the point out a bit more, um, a couple of years ago I was, uh, yeah, in Europe with my wife holidaying and we're really privileged to be in Paris and, and what you do what everyone does in Paris, you visit the Louvre, okay, and many of you, you know, have done that. And um, uh, I had always wanted to see the Mona Lisa, it was kind of like on the bucket list sort of thing. And so when I got to Louvre, we made our way straight to the Mona Lisa, you know, uh, it has its own room, its own section. And when I got there, uh, my excitement was heightened, okay, because there was like a circumference of people gawking at this world-famous masterpiece and painting. Um, and so I edged my way, you know, forward and gradually made my way to the front. And I was in a, within a couple meters of the Mona Lisa, this incredible masterpiece. And I looked at the Mona Lisa and I went, oh, oh. <laughs> You know, when it comes to faith in God, uh, I reckon sometimes that same gap between our, the reality of knowing God and what he's like um, and our experience can be there. That same gap can be there. You know, we know that God loves us, he cares about us, and he's involved in our lives. Um, but that doesn't always mean that that reality registers in our daily experience. It doesn't always mean that that's what we experience each day. And this is where I think Psalm 23 uh, is, in all seriousness, so helpful and so encouraging, and why I think it's so popular and so well-loved. Um, firstly, it describes a reality of God that deeply resonates with us. That's something we want to experience. It's something we want to be true of us. Um, we want to know that God loves us, that God's involved in our lives, whether we have a Christian faith or not. But also it describes the reality of God, I believe, and I've come to understand that we can and we should experience. As I've looked more deeply at Psalm 23 in the last couple of weeks, I've realized that what Dave describes, which is his own experience actually of God, isn't particularly remarkable. There's nothing special in it so far as it's something that God is doing in the lives of believers every day and all the time. It's just really how much we notice it. Well, today what I want to do as I take us through Psalm 23 is just unpack uh, four everyday experiences of God, everyday experiences of God, which I believe we should uh, and can have. Uh, my hope is that uh, uh, it will help us close the gap between the reality we know of God and what we experience. Um, I hope that it will help us just notice more uh, what he's up to in our lives and so appreciate and enjoy him more and love him more. Um, and for those of us who uh, don't have a Christian faith, um, maybe knowing about God and experiencing God has been a barrier to you. 
Um, I hope this psalm just gives you a glimpse of what it's like to have God in our lives, what it's like when he's involved. Okay, let's get into it. Every day, four experiences of God, everyday experience of God, number one. God is our shepherd. Verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Well, uh, if you notice the, the capital letters there, Lord, uh, that actually uh, means that God's personal name, Yahweh, is being used. And in the, the Bible, uh, Yahweh, God's personal name, is, is really, really, really special. It's not a name that God hands out just to anyone. Because in the Bible, Yahweh, God's personal name, distinguishes him from all the other gods, or so-called gods, of the world. It distinguishes him as the God uh, of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. And it is this God, Yahweh, this God, Yahweh, that David claims as his shepherd, the Lord of heaven and earth. But it gets a bit crazier from here on. um, Because... Uh, There's something particularly unusual about this shepherd and the way he's described in Psalm 23. Because um, David, being a a shepherd himself in his early life, would have known that shepherds typically have an experience with a flock, a flock of sheep, not individual sheep. But this psalm hones into and focuses on David's personal relationship with God. I think that teaches us and reminds us that Yahweh, This great God of the universe is also the God of each person. He's very personal. He's the God of each individual person. He knows us intimately and personally. Um, I love that the Lord Jesus says that he even knows the number of hairs on our head. Um, I think Psalm 139 um, captures a part of this really beautifully when it says... You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rests. You're aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. Um, This God really knows us. He's incredibly personal. And David's reflection that this God, this shepherd, is what he needs. I have what I need. Now, um, David himself, like I mentioned, was a shepherd in his early life. So he knew that uh, sheep need a shepherd. Uh, They need uh, a shepherd to survive. Sheep quite simply can't survive on their own. Uh, And the point I want to make is that surely as sheep need a shepherd, we need God. We need God. Now, uh, I think this is a mindset, an idea that, you know, we can resist even at the best of times. Uh, There's a part of me... Uh, a prideful part of me uh, that wants to kind of push back on, on this. Um, we balk at the fact, and I balk at the fact that I might just be as dependent on God as the rest of creation. I might just be as dependent on God as all the other creatures he makes. Um, but Psalm 23 reminds me that I'm part of his creation. I'm a creature too that needs him. Well, we might uh, wrestle with the idea uh, that we need God as Christians, but let me say that our culture, our society, completely scoffs at this. Like, it completely scoffs at this. This is a crazy concept to our society. 
Um, I go to work in the city and um, every day I will pass by Southern Cross Station. I get it come out of Southern Cross Station and often there are placards, uh, advertisements um, all over the place. And uh, recently I noticed that uh, they've got all these placards there with the message, you've got this, you've got this. And it struck me, this is the message, right, of our time, of our society, of our culture. Uh, you've got this, you've got this. Um, our culture loves to elevate uh, and celebrate the self-sufficient, self-made, self-reliant person. Um, my wife reminds me that, uh, uh, i point out to me rather that uh, uh, nearly every Disney movie these days has this one message, a common theme, that you can achieve anything, be anyone, overcome anything, just by believing in yourself, just by believing in yourself. And you know what? Oh, I think that mindset, that idea that is so pervasive, you've got this, it's really stressful. It puts a lot of pressure on people. I reckon it works really well maybe for the 1% of people out there, the go-getters who, who just embrace life's challenges and all that. And for rest, the rest of us, it's burdensome. I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, but you know, I kind of wonder sometimes if all the anxiety and all the stress that people feel are so prevalent in our society at the moment um, has inside part to do with the self-focus. You've got this. You've got this. Because if you don't, who does? Well, uh, we've got a shepherd. He does. He does. Psalm 23 is so grounding and humbling because it reminds us that we are sheep that need a shepherd. And indeed we have a great shepherd in God who knows us deeply. Well, let me take us to everyday experience number two, and that is God provides for us. Verse two, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Uh, the psalm from this introduction moves on to this picture of green pastures and quiet waters. Uh, it's a picture of refreshment. It's a picture of refreshment. David knew from his experience shepherding sheep that um, a good shepherd and a skillful shepherd is always leading um, his sheep to the best feeding ground and places where the sheep will be well watered. And God is no different. Uh, the green pastures in um, this verse would have been a sheep, a dream, rather, for sheep against the backdrop of an arid and dry climate. Uh, not only is there green pastures, lush grass, but there's quiet waters, quiet waters, the kind of water that sheep love. See, sheep are, are quite timid, okay, I've learned um, from my research, and uh, apparently they won't drink from fast-running water because they're, they're scared. They drink from still water, so a good shepherd makes sure there's still water available for his sheep. Um, but notice that uh, uh, there's a bit more going on here because David says that um, he lies down in green pastures. Uh, there's a picture here, not simply of God's abundant provision as shepherd, but David's response to that. 
Uh, sheep only lie down when they're completely satisfied and content. They won't lie down if they feel hungry or thirsty or if they're bothered by insects and the like or feel unsafe. They only lie down if they feel completely content. And David here is expressing his contentment, his enjoyment, and his satisfaction in what God provides. He makes me lie down. Um, uh, look, I, I've learned firsthand from experience just how great God's provision is. Um, I think back to my time at Bible College uh, a couple years back where God provided so generously and so abundantly for me. Um, you know, I had very little at the time but was the most content I'd ever been in my life. Um, and I could share lots of stories in detail, but uh, you know, at the time, uh, I exhausted all my savings in my second year of college and um, was starting to live off my credit card and I was too embarrassed to ask my parents for money. Uh, and there was a moment, a real, real moment, where I was looking at my credit card bill and wondering, how am I gonna pay this? And God provides so generously, like money appeared, generous um, donors and givers, um, part-time work came up, uh, all these amazing things. I've, I've learned and tasted this firsthand. Um, but it, it does make me think that if God provides so well for us, okay, like he does in this picture here, why is it sometimes that we can be so restless and so discontent? Maybe it's not, you know, only me that feels this way. Maybe you feel this way as well, but you know, we're in these green pastures and we're always kind of getting up, restless, looking around, looking for more. Uh, let me suggest there's two reasons why we might feel restless and discontent and get up instead of lying down. I think the first reason might be because uh, we're going through a time of need or a time of lack. Maybe um, where there's something in our life we need like work or housing, uh, something essential, and we're feeling that lack in our life at the moment. Um, I want to encourage us by uh, saying and reflecting that God provides. He knows what we're going through and he provides. Uh, I love what Jesus shares about uh, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. He's just got this uh, logic which I've never picked up until recently, but I, I really love it. He says, don't worry about your life, what you eat or what you drink, or about your body, what you wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? I've never really grasped the logic of this, but it's actually really beautiful. What Jesus is saying, God gives you, God gives me a body, he gives me life. Uh, they're really valuable and complex. If he's giving me the, the hard stuff, the valuable stuff, the tough stuff, he's going to look after the small stuff, okay? He's going to give you, you know, and me, the clothing, the food, and all that that we need to go with it. Okay. And I just think that's, a, that's an amazing thought to hang on. So if, if you're going through a time of lack, let me encourage you to uh, keep trusting God. Keep trusting God. He will provide he will look after you. Keep trusting and praying. Um, the other reason, though, and I suspect more common why we might feel restless and why we might feel discontent uh, has perhaps less to do with our needs and more to do with our wants. Uh, I shared earlier during my time at college that I was the most content I've ever been. Um, and I still think so fondly back there. I was so content despite having so little uh, and in actually being so poor. Um, and 
I reckon in part that's because I was just around Bible college students and we were all like poor <laughs> and we, were all, we all had nothing and it never made any sense for us to, you know, um, compare ourselves um, or anything like that, at least when it comes to, came to wealth. Uh, these days I'm, I'm back working in the corporate world uh, and you know what, I, I'm surrounded by people um, who uh, are ambitious and striving for more in their lives. And I look at them, and I be, I'm tempted to get, get off the grass and look at what they're looking at and follow them. Follow them to more status, more influence, more money, more this, more that. And I feel sometimes as we look around in our society, there's this weight of comparison, this air of comparison. And uh, it's really sad, it affects me, it really does. Um, it really does, and uh, I'm taking, I'm starting to deal with this actually really seriously in my life because I think it's a sin I struggle with. Um, uh, Jesus says to watch out and be on guard against all greed um, in Luke 12 because one's life is not in the abundance of his possession. It's not in the abundance of his possession. Uh, we need to be careful that uh, we don't get up from the green grass and take our eyes off the abundant provision that God provides uh, and start wandering around like the rest of our world, chasing for more. You've got to be on guard against this greed. Well, everyday experience number two, God provides. Let us enjoy it, embrace it through contentment and trust in him. Everyday experience number three, uh, God guides us. Let me read from verse 3. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Um, one of the things sheep need most uh, from their shepherd is constant guidance. Constant guidance. Uh, guidance to keep moving in the right direction, but also guidance to keep them safe, keep them from harm. Um, again, I've, I've done a lot of research on sheep uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, and uh, now I feel like I'm ready to become a shepherd, actually, and uh, leave the corporate world. Um, but I've learned that sheep have this propensity and this talent for getting into trouble. They, they keep straying and keep wandering naturally into trouble. Uh, they have these like, really strong flocking and herding instincts, and so often they will follow other sheep, even if that means into danger. Uh, there are stories of sheep following sheep en masse into a river and drowning or off a cliff. Um, sheep, if left alone, um, in part because of their poor eyesight, will often just wander off and get lost and not be able to recover and come back. David knows that sheep need to be continually guided, just as uh, we need to be continually guided by God. And the guidance that we need from God is to be led in the right paths for his namesake. The right paths for his namesake. Uh, the word for right here is the same word as righteousness or uprightness in the Bible. Um, and I love how Jonah in the Sermon on the Mount just unpacked this uh, concept of righteousness. It's this like wholehearted, whole person uh, obedience in response to God. 
and who he is. It's loving him with all our hearts and everything that we are and loving others as ourselves from the heart and not only from the head. Now, I'm sure there's all sorts of guidance that uh, we would love from God. But the guidance I believe we need most for life, uh, we need most, is guidance to live righteously, guidance in the right path. Um, As I've matured and grown as a Christian, uh, I've really come to believe that the best course of living, the best way to navigate life, the best way to get through life, is to become more like Jesus and to live like him to face into all the unknowns, all the temptations, all the challenges, whether it's personal conflict or whatever, like Jesus would. And I believe that's true because that's the path that most glorifies God. It's the path that matters most to the person that matters most in the universe. It's for his namesake. But it's also the path that leads to blessing. It's the path that leads to the things that God wants most for our lives and wants to give us most, like peace, joy, contentment and satisfaction in Him. Not the fleeting stuff of the world. It's the path that keeps us away from all the things that we regret at night, all the things that we look at in the rearview mirror and go, yuck, I wish I had never gone there in the first place. I wish I had known better. It's the righteous path, right paths. So how does God's guidance come for us uh, for these right paths? Um, In Mark 6, there's this really beautiful parallel. Uh, uh, Mark chapter 6, Jesus is in front of a large crowd and he saw this large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. God's guidance to us to live righteously comes to us through his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 puts it this way. All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. His word is how he guides us. It keeps us safe. It keeps us secure. It keeps us on paths of rightness. It keeps us from straying of the path of life. So let me encourage us to embrace and enjoy the everyday experience of God's guidance by keeping in daily earshot of his voice. Now do that for your own personal reading. Do that by listening to podcasts, Christian music. Do that for Bible study, through fellowship with each other. Keep in daily earshot of his voice and enjoy his guidance. Last, everyday experience. Everyday experience of God, number four. God is with us. God is with us. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, We come to what is quite possibly the the climax of this psalm, um, the, the center of this psalm. Psalm 23, like many psalms and actually writings in scripture, has this like ring structure where, uh, you know, the, the, the beginning of the psalm kind of echoes and reinforces the end and like the most significant or critical point in the psalm 
is often in the middle. And in the middle of this, middle of this psalm, we find the words and the line, you are with me. You are with me. Well, in the, the hilly terrain and wilderness that David would have been accustomed to as he herded sheep, sometimes passing through a valley was inevitable to get to another place. And for Christians, these valleys represent times of personal difficulty uh, and darkness that we inevitably go through, uh, have been through, or will go through. Uh, Right now, I'm not in a, a valley at the moment, but there are people I know who have been through or going through great personal darkness and difficulty. And I mean like serious stuff, like stuff like... Um, serious health issues, um, mental struggles, um, uh, like grief and bereavement, major surgery. Um, And I know that these are the things that happen to other people until one day they happen to me and they happen to you. I know that I too will one day go through my own dark valley um, but I've also seen the, the difference that faith in Jesus makes. Um, I've seen the difference because um, those who are out of faith in Jesus, I know going through these things, tend to be focused on the end of the valley and on the outcome. They tend to be focused on, on what the end of the valley is. Uh, but those with faith in Jesus, who believe in God, have their eye and their hope on him. It's not that they don't want to see the end of the valley, but they're not just looking at that, they're looking to him. In verse four, um, David uh, is comforted by the fact that this shepherd is with him, this shepherd is present. He's not simply looking to the end of the valley, wondering where and when that will come and how it will come. He's got his eyes on the shepherd, the shepherd's rod, the shepherd's staff, And he's comforted. The rod and the staff of the shepherd symbolize God's protection, God's ability to lead and guide David through this. Uh, If you're going through a a personal trial at this time, whether it's big or small, let me encourage you uh, with the comforting reality that you're not alone, that God is with you. He's with you. So don't take your eyes off him. Uh, but contemplate his love, his kindness, his power, and his nearness to you. Sure, ask him for what you would like, for an end to the valley. Ask him for for that to come, but keep your eyes on him. Psalm 139, again, just reminds us of how close he is. He encircles us. He places his hand upon us. There's nowhere we can go to escape his spirit. His presence is always with us. He's constantly with us each day, whether we're in trial or not. We're never alone in any moment that we go through. So embrace the everyday experience of his presence. Um, I couldn't finish Psalm 23 uh, without reflecting on our Lord Jesus, who uh, reveals himself as the good shepherd, 
Uh, our Lord Jesus says in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, the shepherd that David talks about throughout Psalm 23 is the shepherd that came into our world in Jesus. And he is in the flesh, the very embodiment of God's provision, God's guidance, and God's presence. He is all of that come near. He died for us, for our lostness as sheep on the cross. And in his resurrection, he continues to be with us, shepherding us at this very moment, whether we know it, feel it or not, shepherding us at this very moment and shepherding us into eternity, for all eternity. So let me end by saying that as sheep, let's keep following after our shepherd. Let us make all life all about Jesus because he is our shepherd and in him we have what we need. Let me invite the music team uh, to come up. One of the things I love most about that psalm, well, along with the beautiful truths that are in it, is also how poetic it is as well. And it also captures a part of who God is in the poetry and how David writes. So we're going to sing through that psalm in this song, and I hope that you can reflect on what James has said and on the words in it while we sing. God is my shepherd, I won't be wanting, I won't be wanting. He makes me rest in fields of green. 